0: Hello and welcome to Ag
1: PhD Radio, I'm Darren Hefty. And I'm Brian Hefty, thanks for joining us today. We've got a great show for you, we're going to talk a little about some things you should be doing this year in your soybean crop. If you've got any questions for us or if there's anything you'd like to talk about that's happening on your farm right now, our number here 44 AGPHD. it's 844-442-4743, or send us an email, radio at agphd.com. We are live in the Morton studio today and just off the top of my head (laughs) for what I think the things are, you should consider doing in your soybeans this year. I'd say number one, use a good pre-emerge herbicide. We talk all the time about three pre's. You do that, it's usually less expensive and much more effective than doing a lot of things post. Plus, you don't have all the risk. I'll, I'll tell you a quick story before I get into my other two quick things that I can think of. Back when we we switched some acres to no-till, we switched a lot of acres to no-till, th- almost 30 years ago now. And our dad, being originally from north-central Iowa, where everything back there, when he was farming back there, and I realized that was a long time ago, uh, it was mowboard plowed. It was probably dist, field cultivated, uh, Cultivated during the season. I mean, there was tillage, 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 and the ground was black. And he was used to that. He liked that. And he also said one of the things that he appreciated is just that he could see what he had gotten done every day because you turn the ground black. But anyway, we were switching to no till on some acres. And so the question was okay, what are we going to do for pre and post and everything else for herbicides? And anyway, we were talking about the pre's, and he said, look, Here's the thing, guys. The pre's help me sleep at night. I'm like, what do you mean? He goes, look, I've tried it before. Where if I don't have a pre-emerge herbicide out there, here's the problem. We're in such a dry area, you expect that. Oh, I'm going to be able to spray my post product anytime. But it just unfortunately doesn't work that way. Some years it rains right when you want to spray, and then it keeps raining for a week or ten days, and all of a sudden the weeds are now big, and every day during that time. I am going to worry. And our dad, when he was relatively young, developed ulcers, he would worry so much. So the point is, he couldn't take any more worry. And that's one of the things that I think about a lot is, yes, sometimes there are things you could do that might save you just a tiny little bit of money. Uh, But the bigger thing is, you could save the money, but you're going to take on more risk and more worry. So that's a big reason why you want to use pre-emerge herbicides. But I'm going to always come back to you're going to have the most yield and make the most money by using a good pre-program, bar none. That's an absolute must, in my opinion, in soybeans that I think you should consider. The second thing I think you should consider is spraying a fungicide in soybeans at least once, if not twice. Fungicide prices have crashed. You can get great fungicides, even two or three mode of action products for 10 bucks or less now. And with the price of beans, you're talking less than a bushel of beans, are you not going to gain that by spraying a fungicide? That's timed appropriately. Um, I, I I, really believe you're going to gain that. We've been proving this out for almost 15 years on our farm, and it, it, it pays. And, again, we're in a relatively dry area. Imagine if you were in a wet area what you would gain with a fungicide. Uh, the third thing I would say, you know, I'll put it to you this way. I don't know for sure you're going to have to do this, but spraying an insecticide at a low economic threshold. The, the economic threshold now has changed, and so that's why I use the word low. So here's where I'm going with this. economics simply mean if I can justify the treatment, then I do the treatment. If it pays, I need to spray. Well, when beans were $7 last summer... And a lot of people are like, oh, I don't know how the yield's going to be. And on top of that, you go, well, I don't know what insecticide's going to cost. If you haven't checked that out lately, you might think, well, it takes a lot of bugs to justify spraying. And when you look at a lot of the university work, it was done 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 30 years ago. People are still referencing those studies. Back when yields were way down, insecticide cost five times as much as it does today or more. And I mean, when you when you look at the grain price then, it's nowhere close to where we are now. We have eleven dollar new crop beans. Eleven dollar new crop beans. You can contract that today. And the insecticide's a buck fifty. And hopefully your yields are much higher than they were 10, 20, or 30 years ago. So when you add those things up, you go, hey, I don't need to spray, I don't need to wait for 250 aphids uh, to spray. That's ridiculous. There's no chance in the world I'd ever do that on my farm you got to look at modern economics. And so that's the third thing that I think you should be doing is looking at current economics and whether or not these things pay. All right. So we will continue talking about this throughout the show. But right now, let's get to the Ag PhD mailbag. It's the
0: mailbag. All right, Brian, uh, at a number of folks give us feedback, so I'm just going to put them all into one. Uh, Talking about the Pfizer and Moderna COVID vaccines and the discussion of using technology like GMO technology in humans to try to fight this virus. Just a lot of debate about, well, it can't be how that works. And where are you getting this information from saying that it would turn us basically into GMOs, that type of response. <laughs> okay. got, got just a ton of responses to that.
1: Yeah. Okay. So here's here's the first thing. I think they've fairly well proven now it's not going to change your DNA. But nevertheless, you're injecting something in you with these messenger RNA technologies that are going to tell your body to make a protein it would not normally make if that didn't get shot into you, okay? Now, I want you to compare that to Bt corn. Because of that Bt trait, the corn now makes a protein it would not normally make. Do you see the similarity there, okay? On the corn side with Bt corn, that has been proven now, doesn't hurt livestock doesn't hurt human beings and if you want a great big study on millions and millions and millions of people and livestock compare the Europe compare Europe and the United States and you can obviously see yes it's not causing any problems so you've got technology there it's never hurt anyone never killed anyone it should be accepted yet a lot of people say well it's bad well why well it just is it's the same thing with these vaccines okay if you're willing to take that shot you should be willing now to accept a lot of this GMO technology, biotechnology, and say, oh, yeah, I guess it is okay. We'll talk more about that right after this. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio. You're looking for soybeans that give you the yield you want. But when it comes to fighting your toughest
2: weeds, you also need flexibility. Introducing ExtendFlex Soybeans,
3: elite genetics with triple tolerance to dicamba, glyphosate, and glufosinate. The yield you want, the choice you need.
2: Learn more at extendflexsoy.com. Always read and follow IRM where applicable, grain marketing and all other stewardship practices and pesticide label directions.
4: When it comes to trusted herbicide formulations, you know New Farm. And you certainly know New Farm exclusive Weedmaster. For decades, Weedmaster has been the go-to herbicide for consistent burndown weed control in a huge variety of crops and in range and pasture management too. Don't let yield-robbing weeds stand in the way of your progress or profits. New Farm and Weedmaster Herbicide, here to help. Give your corn a strong defense against stress throughout the season with MycoApply Indoprime SC. MycoApply Indoprime SC uses four specially selected species of mycorrhizal fungi to protect your crop against stress. That means more access to water and key micronutrients while building a healthy soil structure for stronger crops for years to come. Stronger corn starts beneath the surface. Learn more about MycoApply Indoprime SC at IndoprimeCorn.com. Always read and follow label instructions. You're all set with the 4x4 turbo diesel truck. How about some options? Spray and bedliner? Absolutely. Tailgate step and nerf bars? Gotta have them. Tie-down hooks and stainless steel toolbox. You know it. Tinted windows? Of course. Options are good. That's as true in the field as it is with your pickup. In addition to taking care of tough weeds, new Open Sky Herbicide gives you more rotational choices than ever before and an easy to handle formulation. <laughs> Goose deck tow package? Yep. Discover more Open Sky details at OpenSkyHerbicide.com.
1: Welcome back to Ag PhD Radio. Brian Hefty here, along with my brother Darren, broadcasting today from the Morton Studio. We're going to be talking about some things you should consider doing in your soybeans this year throughout our show today. Right before the break, we were in our Ag PhD mailbag, just talking about the new COVID vaccines and the link to biotechnology. Did you know that in Europe, they actually had to change some of their GMO laws, so there could be development and production of these new vaccines because they deal with mRNA technology, messenger RNA technology. It's pretty incredible, it's a lot of the same type of thing that we're working with here in agriculture, been proven very safe for many years, and I'm not saying that, oh, everything is perfect with these vaccines, but what I am saying is if you are willing to take the vaccine... Uh, that's literally going inside you directly, then what are you worried about with some of the, like, BT corns, for example, that have been out now for 30 years, and we have all kinds of research and science on that for 30 years proving, oh, these things actually are safe. So anyway, I just think there needs to be a lot more acceptance of the science and biotechnology that we're working with in agriculture. I'm not saying it's for everybody, but I am saying it's been proven safe.
0: All right. Our topic today is going to be three things you should be doing in soybeans. Obviously, there are a lot of things that you definitely want to do in soybeans if you want to get top yields and great profitability and this is one of the things we talk about a lot on our show and people will ask us you know how do you determine what you're going to do on your farm we just look at return on investment and if there are things that cost money that's fine we don't really care how much we spend as long as we're getting a good return on our investment that's a great way to judge how things are working on your farm got Troy Bauer on with us right now with BASF Troy how are
5: you doing oh good afternoon how are you doing today
0: Good, good. All right. So we're talking soybeans today, and, you know, it's really interesting. I don't know if it makes any difference which county I'm in as I travel around the country. There's somebody there getting 10 bushels more or 20 bushels more than others. And everybody's always wondering, man, what are guys doing that are getting better yields and, and making more money?
5: You bet. I think that's a really, really good question and something uh, to think about. And I guess as I think about that, uh, there's probably several ways to to uh, think through this but uh, I think number one for soybeans you want to maximize your yield potential by planting early and you'll want to select a, a seed treatment that specifically supports that uh, you want to ensure adequate fertility for high yields and uh, you can do that by uh, soil testing as well as uh, using a uh, high quality in- inoculant and then lastly if you uh, uh, you want to protect that plant from SDS and soybean cyst nematodes if you have those pests, and uh, there's certainly some great products out in the market for that.
0: You know, you mentioned a lot of good points here, and when I think about this, Troy, if if I'm talking to a farmer that says, well, yeah, I know I've got nematodes out there, but I've got a resistant soybean. Uh, how well are those resistant soybeans holding up anymore?
5: Yeah, there's a Uh, A lot of uh, uh, PI88788 source uh, cyst-resistant beans out there, and uh, they've been in the marketplace for uh, uh, 20 years plus now. And we know, uh, based on our experience with the use of herbicides and with other uh, uh, products in the marketplace, if you continually use that same uh, uh, source of uh, product, uh, that same mechanism of action, they they will develop resistance to it. And according to some of the leading industry uh, uh, researchers, university researchers, we are starting to develop uh, uh, soybean cyst nematodes that are resistant uh, to PI-88788 source cyst resistance. So that's why it's so important to consider uh, other methods uh, uh, to control soybean cyst nematodes, such as crop rotation. Uh, You want to continue to utilize uh, beans that do have... uh, uh, either peaking sourcy resistance, eight eight seven, eight eight sources resistance, or other sources of resistance. And you really need to consider a seed treatment nematocyte such as Alevo that's a Uh, proven product for both soybean cyst nematodes and uh, SDS of the marketplace.
0: Yeah, it made a big difference this last year, especially when we get stressful conditions. Going into 2021, I just look at where the market prices are at. And for growers that are on the fence and just wondering, man, should I try some of these things I just I don't know if I've seen a better year to try some new things out, because even if you gain a bushel, you're doing awesome. You got another 14 bucks potentially in your pocket. Or if you gain a couple of bushels, well, hey, all of a sudden you got a pretty, pretty nice, positive economic return. So what are you seeing going into this year, Troy? Are you getting a lot more calls? It sounds to me like there's a lot more guys looking at this
5: yeah i think so and and i i apologize i missed a little bit of your uh, call there uh i was cutting in and out but uh, a couple other things to consider around uh, 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 doing things uh, with soybeans uh, to maximize yield potential i think that your question was around fertility uh, was uh, using a, a high quality inoculant such as Balt ip plus there uh, just to make sure that you have enough uh, rhizobia to fix nitrogen uh, and maximize your yield potential there as well.
0: Yeah, I I agree with you on the inoculant piece. It's one of those that doesn't cost much money. It's been out, it's been proven, and we see growers around the world that are using this even in continuous soybeans and and seeing gains with inoculant. I I think that's a a pretty nice tool to have in the tool chest. Uh, Troy, thank you so much. We're talking with Troy Bauer here with BSF. Really appreciate all the ideas. We'll dig into them a little more and we'll talk to you again down the road.
5: Yeah, absolutely. Always a pleasure to visit with you. Thanks for your time. You bet. Thank you.
0: Let's head down to Arkansas. we got Daniel on line with us right now with, uh, with a weed control question. Daniel, how are you doing? I'm
6: okay. How about y'all?
0: Pretty good. Pretty good. Okay. Now, not only weed control, I guess crop safety is another Part of that piece too. What what have you been using and what have you noticed?
6: Okay, it's non GMO soybeans. I usually do some type of burn down. And then behind the planter, you know, Valor, uh, usually Prowl, which <laughs> these are all generics. Uh, sometimes Metro uses, sometimes not. but it seems like the Valor splashes on the beans are something I could substitute that would not knock them beans back so bad because
1: we always get big, big rain usually in the spring. Sure. Okay, so you said this is, well, is this no-till? This is no-till, right?
6: Uh, half is not.
1: Oh, sorry, you cut out on us so, there. Huh? So half is,
0: half is not? Yeah, I'm driving down
6: the
1: road. Yeah, no problem. So you can solve the half is not real easy. All you have to do is spray this on and then do your tillage And then come back and plant your beans and Valor Splash is gone. So that's the first thing we tell you. On the no-till acres, we don't usually see a lot of Valor Splash. There's some, but not nearly as much on the no-till acres. It's usually where the ground is more black. That's where we're seeing more of that splash up. The other way that you could go about this would be to spray in front of planting. So the earlier the Valor is out there, then the less risk that you have because you'll have had the chance to get some rain on it prior to those beans emerging. And so, so that's really the big key. And even if that means, hey, I might have to bump my Valor rate from whatever you're using, bump it just a little bit, it's not that big a deal. Valor really, really inexpensive right now. So that, the, those would be our suggestions
6: two ounces to three ounces and do it with my
1: burn down yeah or even two to two and a half it all depends on how early you go but i'm just saying get the valor out there earlier and you'll have less risk as far as the metribuzin have you seen a problem with that are you concerned about the metribuzin too or is it mainly just the valor i I
6: don't know i think it's just the valor because the years i've went without and it's done the same thing uh yeah I, this is ridge till what we call hip it up like on like you do cotton ground but it's still long so gotcha. i really can't spray it and then hip it i don't think i think i just bury it too deep
1: Okay, the other thing would be you could switch to the other PPO that we talk about all the time. That would be Authority. So there's straight Spartan if you want to buy that. Uh, that's the, Authority and Spartan are the same thing. They just don't have any Authority all by itself. You could buy Spartan all by itself. Otherwise, you could buy Authority together with like Metribuzin or something else. There are all kinds of combinations of Authority out there. So I, I would consider switching to that if I'm in Ridge Till just to hopefully alleviate a little bit of the splash up and as far as metribuzin yeah we don't have splash up issues with metribuzin the only time we have a problem with metribuzin is in light soils very high rates and um, we used to use a lot higher rates than we're using today on uh, for the most part so I'm not too worried unless you got really light soil and a really high rate
6: okay
1: Okay. well Uh,
6: I've had some uh Pickle, and cocoa come back because
1: I'm non-GMOs or something. Yeah, okay. I'll tell you what. Yeah, hang on on for us here. Daniel will answer that question right after this on Ag PhD Radio.
5: Customer service goes a long way when trying something new. Ryan Shaw from Michigan shares how Soil Warrior helped him transition to strip tillage in his operation.
1: The Soil Warrior guys, they are amazing to work with. They made this jump in this
2: transition extremely painless. One question that I get all the time is, how is the service and everything? And I said, well, actually, I get better service from them than I typically
7: do my dealers uptown. They're just amazing.
5: More info at SoilWarrior.com.
3: Maintaining your crops is as important now as it's ever been. Howler, a revolutionary fungicide from AgBiome, can help. It provides long-lasting protection from a broad spectrum of foliar and soil diseases that affect crops. Howler is OMRI-listed, has multiple modes of action, and has minimal pre-harvest and re-entry intervals. It's flexible, easy to use, and is available right now. Visit agbiome.com forward slash Howler to learn more.
7: A lot goes into keeping a precision operation moving. The inputs you choose have to deliver results. New Delaro Complete fungicide from Bayer offers unmatched consistency and the most complete disease control available. Your corn and soybeans are protected and yields higher even in unpredictable conditions. With Delaro Complete, you get results you can count on to help keep your precision operation running smoothly. Always read and follow label instructions. To learn more, visit delarocomplete.us
5: today. You need a powerful herbicide to fight the war on weeds.
7: Wherever you go, whatever you're doing, whenever you want. Farm your way with Case IH AFS Connect. Now you can farm, share data, and manage your fleet, however, whenever, and wherever you want. Learn more at caseih.com slash farm your
4: way.
1: Thanks for listening today to Ag PhD Radio. Brian Hefty here, along with my brother Darren. We're live in the Morton studio right before the break. We were talking to Daniel from down in Arkansas. Daniel, sorry we had to uh, get to commercial there real quick, but uh, your question was about sickle pod you mentioned and cockle burrs that are coming back later after you've done this Valor-Prowl-Metribuzin mix. So we love the Valor-Prowl-Metribuzin mix, but I am going to agree with you. You're probably going to have those those weeds coming back a little bit. So in conventional soybeans, there are many things that will kill cockleburrs, everything from first rate to pursuit to uh, class, old classic and harmony. Uh, let's see. I'm just trying to think off the top of my head. Uh, uh, Raptor. I mean, there. Yeah, there are se- there are several products that will kill cocklebur. I'm not that worried about the whole cocklebur thing. Even back in the old days, we used to use Bassagran. If it's hot and humid, even Bassagran isn't the worst thing ever on cocklebur. Uh, but the sicklepod is going to be much tougher. So, you know, a lot of times, what we'll do in conventional soybeans is we'll come back right after emergence if the weeds are really bad and will come with like a dual and Flexstar kind of mix. Flexstar at least does have some activity on sickle pod. No, it's, it's not, not great. great. And the has got to be really small, but that's why I say if you had to do it, it would need to be real, real early in the season.
0: Well, the other thing guys were doing before we had Liberty Link Beans, for example, is they were going out there and doing directed sprays and, you know, hooded banders, those types of things, cultivation, those kinds of things. But we. was see a lot of guys go into narrow rows just trying to fight that what what have you done have you done anything that's worked on sickle pod daniel
6: well i'm on 38 so we, we irrigate down the middle so that's oh, okay. one of the problems but yep, yep. um uh, last year i sprayed Flexstar and like a low rate of classic and it didn't even phase it just slowed them down i sprayed classic one more time that's the only thing i could think of to spray for the sickle pod but it never did ever control them. I wound up plowing the middles.
0: Yep, yep. Yeah, that's a tough one. There's no doubt about it. And you're right. You're kind of you're stuck if you're you're using that wide row to do your irrigation down. It's it's a challenge, no doubt about it.
1: So yeah, a I wish. Like, go ahead. Up
6: front, like as a pre, would that alleviate this problem, or what? What
0: change? Well, and I know a lot of guys would use like a canopy-type product where you've got Metribuzin and Classic mixed together. Uh, you know, you're going to get some activity that way, no doubt about that. I, I don't know what's going to stop the late-season outbreaks, though, because that's just not going to provided that late season control you're looking for
1: yeah and that's part of the reason why some guys even with roundup roundup isn't the greatest but it has some activity but some people have preferred going to the enlist or the extend so that way they get dicamba or 24d out there to give it some some better activity so yes you certainly could add some classic pre-emerge and and hopefully that's going to help but even like last year when you're talking about the Flexstar thing um Flexstar beyond about the cotyledon stage in cyclopod, you're you're just going to have a real tough time. So that that like I say is the whole key. You just have to go really really early, and yeah, it stinks. Cyclopod's one of the tougher weeds we have to deal with in non-GMO soybeans.
6: Okay. I appreciate it
1: very much. Yep, sorry. Yeah, I wish we had some amazing answer where we go, oh, yeah, just do this, and it'll solve all your problems. But <laughs> unfortunately, uh, there's nothing I can come up with off the top of my head that I can think of that's going to gonna help you a whole lot on SicklePod. Uh, the, the big thing is, yeah, get those three pre's down. Then if you were to come back with Flexstar really, really early, that, that should help. Hopefully that's suppressing things. But beyond that, you know, usually late- in the season in soybeans, we start talking about Cobra and Cadet. And unfortunately those products just aren't very good on sickle pod. I appreciate it. All right. Well, thanks, Daniel. I have a good one. You too.
0: too. Uh, head down to nebraska get jimmy frederick on with us uh if you aren't familiar with who jimmy is uh he raises some pretty fantastic soybeans in fact i think jimmy unfortunately it stinks when i'm talking to you because i know you're raising on one acre what takes me two to raise and i'm a little little jealous of that
2: (laughs) yeah yeah um We're raising some pretty good ones.
0: Well, okay, I know there's a lot of things that you're doing different, and I know paying attention to details is certainly one of those things that that you're just paying attention to a lot of those little details. I know with the seed, one of the things I've always found interesting is how you aren't really pushing the pop. Instead, you're trying to get the most out of every plant.
2: Yeah, that is correct. We have cut our population in half um, from 160 down to 80. Um, it has absolutely helped a tremendous amount as far as even getting the sunlight down in the row um, and the health of the plant. Do
0: you find weed control a challenge then, or do the plants fill in those spaces pretty well?
2: They fill in pretty good. Um, we've never really had many weed issues. I know there's some guys that have came and looked at the fields, and they, they would say how bad their weed pressure would be. If they planted something like that. But they do really fill in really quick. Um, I even tried some 10-inch twin-row 60-inch. So I was 60-inch center last year. And within a month from planting to a month, they were about shaded shut even on 60-inch gaps. So they they did that pretty quick.
0: So to me, it it sounds like variety selection has just got to be a big key for you.
2: It is. Yep, it is. Um, we really need to hold them laterals on when you space some beans out like that. They start getting 80, 90 pods on a lateral. It gets pretty heavy.
0: <laughs> yeah, I would say so. <laughs> well, I know you talked about just trying some ultra-low pops and comparing varieties last summer, and it was amazing what a difference you were seeing one variety to the next. I know a lot of times you look at yield trials, and you see, oh, it's a couple bushels here or there, but, but when you're pushing things the way that you are, those differences become pretty wide.
2: Yeah, they do. Um, There's a lot of breeders, um, seed companies that really aren't doing the trials that I am at the low populations, so it's kind of a navigational deal for me because nobody really has the answers when you go ask, so I'm figuring most of it out on my own on that part.
0: But yeah, I, I, a of a I think that's really impressive, too, that you are just studying and being a student out in your fields is, is important. You know, the fertility piece too, Jimmy, when when you start raising and I think a lot of guys do a pretty decent job fertilizing 50 bushel beans. But when you're raising three times that uh, it's it's a pretty critical thing. There's got to be good nutrient availability out there and a good pile of fertility to draw from. Are you doing anything different with with rotations or are you just fertilizing each crop for what you're hoping to get?
2: No, I'm just fertilizing each crop as I go. Um, Pretty constant rotation. Um, Soil health I've really focused on. Um, That's a big difference. And with soybeans, it's just uh, minute, adjustment here or there and it can really change a lot to the plant and With lower in population, it's less mouths to feed out there. So that has kind of helped control my drop-offs um, At certain stages throughout the year, so it doesn't crash as hard as it used to on tissue samples um, But there's still they still learning experience to be done as far as carrying the nutrients as long as it needs to be carried out throughout the year.
0: Yeah, that's that's exactly right because you can get pretty dry where you're at and, and hot. How did you turn out last year? Did you, did you turn really dry at the end of the season like we did?
2: Yeah, it was rough. Uh, I think our annual rainfall is 34 inches and I checked and from April to the end of July we had 27. And from the end of July to uh, about the end of September, we had two inches. Wow. And we had a, yeah, a couple weeks of 100-degree weather. But, you know, that had all that rain up front, well, then roots really didn't have to root down very much. So it the beans went from having plenty of moisture from five-inch rain to two-and-a-half weeks later of being out of moisture. <laughs> it went really quick. And they were about the R3-4 range when that happened
0: yeah you mentioned the soil health and just how important it is to be able to hold what you can and and have it in a good form for that crop what a what a big difference that makes when you get a stress here like that
2: yeah, you get that microbial action going on, and that plant really learns to utilize that water a little better than in normal conditions so helps carry out just a little bit longer.
0: Yeah, a lot of these discussions that we're having on various topics in ag, it all comes back to the soil, having good, healthy soil. One of the best managers we know of that is Jimmy Frederick down in Nebraska. Jimmy, thank you so much. Really appreciate having you on today.
2: Hey, thank you guys. Have a good day. You too.
0: Talking about how to get the most out of soybeans on our show today and taking your calls and agronomic questions at 844-44-AG-PHD.
3: We'll be right back. You deserve to have a building that will last for generations. With more than 110 years of experience and thousands of satisfied customers, Morton Buildings is the industry leader you can trust. Unlike other construction companies, you work with Morton Buildings craftsmen. From conception to completion, there's no better time to buy. Lock in your new building for 2020 today. Contact your local Morton sales office or visit mortonbuildings.com
5: Downtime during spraying can lead to huge yield losses. Keep rolling with the Pentair Hypro Force Field. This pump features a unique, self-regulated chamber that allows the pump to run dry while eliminating cracked seals, so you can spray longer and more reliably. Learn more at pentair.com
7: slash hypro. Start your crop off right with the Germinator Closing Wheel from Farm Shop Mfg. Our spike design excels on variable soils and shatters compaction. Plus, the unique shoulder firmer encases the seed to maximize seed-to-soil contact. Order yours at farmshopmfg.com.
5: It's not about how quickly you come out of the gate with nitrogen fertilizer, but how strong you finish the race. High Striker uses patent-pending chemistry to stabilize your nitrogen in a form that lasts longer in your crop's root zone. Because for high yields, your nitrogen must last longer, so you can finish the season stronger. Visit agrotechusa.com to learn why so many growers are going the distance with High Striker treated nitrogen.
0: Talking about the things you should be doing in your soybean crop this coming season. We've got a lot of ideas. We've got Dean Grossnickel on with us right now with Syngenta to share a few of his. Dean, thanks for joining us.
8: Yeah, thank you for having me.
0: All right, a lot of guys are doing most of the basics right. So I would say pre emerge herbicide use in soybeans, I think people have kind of got that, that they got to put something out there pre. Would you agree with that statement?
8: Well, I would agree with that statement, but I think uh um I think we gotta think bigger, you know, going forward. Especially these guys that are trying to do some uh, you know, value added type soybeans, like uh maybe even like non GMO soybeans, conventional type soybeans and that sort of thing. If they're in that kind of category, they really need to amp up that pre because our options posts are very limited. So where I like the statement that you say we, well, you know, a lot of guys are focusing in. They need a pre. I think in this era of, uh, you know, especially pigweeds getting away from us, we really got to think about our rates on that pre and even amplifying those up a bit to make sure we have that um, that protection out to when we're actually putting on our post application.
0: Yep, I agree with you. I, I think one of the unfortunate things for our industry is – Uh, that a marketing ploy of here's the roundup ready rate. And it was a reduced rate in a lot of cases and guys kind of got in their head. Well, isn't that the full rate to this product? And no, when roundup ready technology first came out, guys were using cut rates of pre's, but in in the meantime, uh, you're right. We got to use multiple modes of action. We got to use full rates and that helps a lot. Okay. Post emerge. Let's go post emerge. Uh, What do you see guys not doing on a regular basis that, that they probably should?
8: Well, um, I mean, the, the biggest key there is, is that a lot of these pre's are working, and they're, they're working relatively well, and uh, so that lulls people into a, a false sense of security in that they're driving by their field, they see, that, hey, that's clean, or maybe they were out walking, man, that pre's working good, and then they, 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 they forget that our whole concept is about having these overlapping residuals, multiple modes of action, and the best time to go out there and spray that post is when when you got that farmer saying man why am I out here there's really nothing nothing for me to get well if you look closely there's probably really small weeds and that's a great opportunity you're getting those weeds small hopefully you got that uh, overlapping residual in that tank so that you're going to get that down you're going to then get a rain on it it's going to get activated and that's the that's the thing. I think we get lulled into a false sense of security that, oh, I'm going out there too early with that post application. That's really not where I've been burned. Where I've been burned is is that we think we're clean, then all of a sudden we get this, we drive them by and go, oh, my, I need to be out there. And and with Waterham being able to grow an inch or so a day, once it gets past two inches, holy moly, we've then just lost our opportunity there. And that's where, that's where we fall down. Uh, the biggest part there. And then secondly is, um, again, because we have that gap, a lot of times farmers tell me, Hey, I've tried your overlapping residual concept and it really isn't working for me. And I don't think I'm going to do that anymore. Well, chances are we really haven't been doing an overlapping residual concept. We've had our pre out there. It's ran out of steam. We put down this residual in our post application, and we really have a gap. We get, we haven't had the rain to get it activated and in the soil solution right. to help us out. And so that's that's really where I see us falling down. And we can correct those and uh, um, easily. Just got to be a little bit more proactive in in what we're doing.
0: You know what it reminds me of, Dean? It reminds me of the marketing plan on a lot of farms that I've visited. They say, you know, if corn ever hits five, I'm selling. Well, then when corn runs right past five and it goes to about 520, I say, well, it's too bad you sold all your corn at five. Oh, no, I didn't sell anything yet. Well, wait a minute. You didn't execute your plan. And then (laughs) the next time I talk to him, it's 450. And I'm like, oh, I'm I'm so glad you guys got your cold sold corn sold at five and they say, wait, oh no, we didn't get that done. We thought it was going to keep going up. So it's kind of the same thing on weed control. Yeah, I'm I'm intending to get that stuff done, but it may not always happen. Dean, you got great tips. I really appreciate it. We'll talk to you again soon. Thank you.
8: Thank you. Uh,
0: let's head down uh, another guy in the state of Iowa. we got Kelly Garrett on, fantastic farmer in western Iowa. Kelly, thanks for joining us.
9: Thanks, Darren. How are you?
0: You know, we're doing great, and I we're talking about some of the things that you should be doing in soybeans, and I, I kind of started the conversation by saying I think a lot of guys are doing the basics, but it seems like there's a few extra things that's hap- that are happening out there because we see guys, well, honestly, like, like what you're doing on your farm, all of a sudden it's 10 bushel better. It's 20 bushel better. What on earth are you doing? Are there some simple things that guys just should be using as no-brainers?
9: Uh, yeah, I think there's, you know, uh, when Janelle called me, I made a list of about four or five things that I think that we do that I don't know if everybody, I think 10 or 20 bushels is pretty easy to get.
0: Okay. So talk to us about some of that, some of the easy stuff that you would say, oh man, we just always use a fungicide and here's the timing and, and it works good for us. Things like that.
9: Number one thing, and it's the least expensive thing you can do is planning date. And I believe that if you're not planting your beans that you, and you're worried about a frost, you're not soon enough. The sooner you can plant them, the better. That's the number one thing. The number two thing, I think, is most of us want to put fungicide on at, like, say, R3. Yes. And really the biggest ROI year after year is two fungicide applications at R1 and R3. And And along with that, the third thing that I would do, you know, we did that. Th- we did it this year because of extreme ag. We had five foliar trials, and one foliar trial returned forty-five dollars net money wow. with nine dollar and sixty cent beans. So,
0: so try some new. Do-
9: coupled with a foliar trial.
0: Okay, try some new things. Try some foliar when you're going out with the, there with that fungicide. F-
1: foliar fertilizer, you're talking about, right?
9: Foliar a foliar a foliar fertilizer along with yep. your fungicide at R1 and R3 was a $45 net gain for us this year.
0: Okay. Hey, one question before we leave that fungicide discussion, and I know you had one more point to make, but I I do want to finish on that fungicide here. So you said R1 and R3, and we were just talking about this uh, with some research we had done. Now there are specific situations like white mold where you may need another application or something like that. So you're not saying every single case, that's the only ones, but, but those ones seem to be the ones paying the most.
9: Yes, those seem to be paying. Now, you know, we had the the thistle caterpillars come in, white mold, things like that. If you have to go out and do something uh, as a defensive strategy to uh, protect your field, that's an entirely different situation. Sure. But, you know, in a, should we call it a normal year, if there is such a thing, that R1 and R3 fungicide, along with foliar fertilizers, really seem to do a good job for us.
0: Okay, great tip.
9: And they, the other thing, you know, soybeans... With the seeds being obviously so much closer together than corn, I think the, the hydraulic downforce, you know, such as, de- we have Delta Force from Precision. You know, if you look at that research, that shows about $20 net money uh, for the debt. And then we run 56 cell plates on our bean, bean planters. That shows $10 net money right there. So, singulating those soybeans, getting them at the correct depth, you know, you don't want them too deep. You don't want them too shallow. All those things really pay off, and I, you know, you know, you know, everybody worries about the corn, but those beans with the seeds being closer together, the better job you can do in that furrow and that seed bed, I think that really pays in the beans.
0: All right, Brandon and I were just debating this for our own farm today. We were talking with our, our guys on the farm and how we're going to execute this soybean planting. So uh, what should... To convince Brian to get him fully on, because I'm on the same side as you on this, Kelly. What should I tell Brian to look for in the field to see if singulation makes a big difference?
9: You know, the, the the seeds being evenly spaced apart, the uniform. You know, you know, just like the flag test on corn, all the beans coming up evenly, things like that. So one isn't competing against the other; they're evenly spaced, even depth, so they're all coming out of the ground at the same time. Yeah, it's we, get- you know when we. Uh, our neighbor had Delta Force on his corn rows, but not on his bean rows. And you could, pick, you, every row, you could pick it out row by row, which rows had Delta Force and which didn't. It was amazing. Led us to believe that Delta Force across the whole planter was going to pay.
0: Yeah, that's really neat, and I think uh, we and we talked about this, too, just for our own farm planning today of, man, we got to do side-by-sides in those things so we can really get some numbers behind it. I love it. Kelly Garrett on with us right now, throwing numbers, throwing ROI out there. Kelly, fantastic call. Good luck to you here heading towards spring.
9: Thank you, Darren. Have a good day.
0: You bet. You too. I love that. When we can put numbers behind these different things, that tells me those guys are doing some trial work and doing it right. I love it. Stay tuned. We'll be right back after
3: this.
7: It's about time. Time for unprecedented season-long foliar disease protection. Formulated for a convenient at-plant application, new first-of-their-kind in-furrow brand fungicides deliver complete inside-out protection from day one. From root to tassel, stalk to leaf, from planting through harvest. The active ingredient, Fluotriafol moves from the soil through your plants as your corn grows. Change the way you approach foliar disease protection from the start with first-of-their-kind kind infurrow furrow 3D and Xyway LFR fungicides available only from FMC. Zyway brand fungicides qualify for the exclusive agronomic and economic incentives of the FMC Freedom Pass program. Visit your FMC retailer or zyway.ag.fmc.com to learn more. Always read and follow all label directions.
3: AgroLiquid is precision crop nutrition. That means being committed to product performance, to research and field testing, and to superior agronomics. Most of all, AgroLiquid is committed to delivering precisely the right nutrition in the right way, including seed-safe planter plus side-dress applications and foliar applications with low burn risk. AgroLiquid, apply less, expect more. Find a retailer at agroliquid.com.
4: Give your corn a strong defense against stress throughout the season with MycoApply Indoprime SC. MycoApply Indoprime SC uses four specially selected species of mycorrhizal fungi to protect your crop against stress. That means more access to water and key micronutrients while building a healthy soil structure for stronger crops for years to come. Stronger corn starts beneath the surface. Learn more about MycoApply Indoprime SC at IndoprimeCorn.com. Always read and follow label instructions.
2: As a little girl, I always wanted to run the combine because it meant I was helping dad and dad always said farmers are helpers. I'm teaching that to my daughters, that farmers help our family, our neighbors, and our community. It's what I do at work. I help farmers get the equipment they need. My name is Kim, I'm a farmer, and I work for Case IH.
7: Case IH, built by farmers.
8: We now bring you an important news
7: bulletin. This was this just in from Live Action News. Innovation has come to the world of burn down.
1: New Elevor herbicide controls your toughest weeds, even glyphosate and ALS resistant weeds like mares tail and henbit. Talk with your retailer about Elevor herbicide today and ask how you can start elevating your
7: burn down.
0: back. you listening to Ag PhD Radio, broadcasting from the Morton studio today. We're taking your calls and questions throughout the rest of the show at 844-44-AG-PHD. got a little oh, feet... Oh, you hey, want to
1: hit one? Yeah. Hey, um, earlier we had that sickle pod question from Daniel down in Arkansas, yes. and I forgot to mention Python and first rate. So it's two more ALS herbicides, kind of like classic. But still, uh, for Daniel, if he's listening... Python, it can only be used pre. First rate and classic can either be used pre or post. Now, a lot of times when you get to conventional beans, that's where we talk, or some people call them non-GMO beans, that's where we talk about, hey, these things that can be sprayed post, we kind of like to save them for post. So I'm just thinking maybe your first rate and classic along with Flexstar, all three of those, none of them is like amazingly fantastic but they each have some activity and so I'd probably hold all three of those for post and again the key is the the sickle pod's got to be really really small but use some python pre and you're not going to like the price but but use some python along with the other the other pre's you're already using so you can still continue to use valor or switch to authority um and and then prowl and metribuzin but then Add some Python. The Python absolutely will help you on the Sickle Pod. And like I say, the other one we didn't mention was first rate. They I'd probably save for post. Okay, go ahead, Darren.
0: Alright, so uh, Gary sent this comment and he's he's from northern Wyoming. He said, we finally got some snow this week and we're hovering around zero degrees. One of the best things that we've done though in our alfalfa seed production fields, which is a multi-year seed crop, is controlling overwintered adults of alfalfa weevil and overwintered adult ligus bugs. The growers are typically using organophosphates in our area for this purpose. The worry factor is so much less Uh, compared to waiting to control the first generation larvae of those pests like many will do. The result is that we save the first blooms from weevil damage and they become the first racemes pollinated. Also, the pre-bloom cleanup spray is more effective because the bug pressure is so much
1: less. So this stems back to our comments from earlier in the show about use realistic and modern economic thresholds. When insecticides cheap, yields are potentially high or in his case, tonnage, and then on top of that, you go, um, hey, the crop is now worth a lot of money. I I mean, almost all commodities are much higher than they were last summer. So you got to enter in what are current costs and current potential incomes and we're not saying just spray insecticide all the time and randomly we still want to use ipm integrated pest management but the point is you can't use 20 year old data and 20 year old uh, numbers and just go by that you've got to look at modern stuff be modern and hey if it pays great if it doesn't then don't spray it
0: yep great great uh... Great comments there. i got a few soil samples here. This is for Dave in southeast South Dakota. And he said, I wanted to send some samples in. I sent them to Neil Kinsey's lab, also sent them to Midwest Labs, just to compare. I've been normally sending them to Midwest. Uh, I'll start off. I've got a field that's low yield. I'm only using removal rates for application, not throwing money at this. And it's the one on the front, brand is Midwest Labs, and I put an arrow to it, and then on the back side is the same sample run through Neocon. Okay, well lab.
1: you've looked at it. What's the quick summary?
0: Well, if you look at the comparison, the, the analysis isn't tremendously different. There's a little bit of difference. It's high pH ground. Okay. And it's got just a lot of calcium. Somewhere yep. in the mid to upper 80s percent base saturation
1: 89.5 percent base saturation calcium on the midwest labs test and neil's test says 83.5 percent calcium but with neil's he also figures other bases so that includes some micronutrients so that's why his numbers are always going to be lower anyway go ahead
0: Okay. Then he also sends another one, and I haven't had a chance to look through this one very much yet, but he said, got two samples for you here. Well, wait,
1: wait, wait. What, I mean, are we going to fix something? I, so that, that what's his question?
0: His question, well, he, just, he wants Neil to take a look at these at Neil Kinsey's seminar later this month, but also, do we have any idea what Neil might suggest based on this? Now, obviously, on the Kinsey Labs ones, it makes... Neil actually makes the recommendations on there of, here's what we would do to fix it. Do you think Neil's on the right track?
1: Okay. Well, here's the whole thing. Rather than focusing on the excess, let's focus on the shortages. When we look at at his soil test, even I'll just use the Midwest Lab stuff, he is running really ridiculously low on phosphorus. Um, He's only at 2% base saturation K. and. 162 parts per million of K, both of which should be considered very low. Uh, And then you go to the micronutrients. Almost all of them are low. Zinc's low, manganese low, copper low, iron low, and boron low. And not just low, I mean like real low. And then on top of that, sulfur. So whenever you have a high calcium soil, in order to get availability on some of these nutrients, we really encourage you use some sulfur. And I mean, like here, he's, uh, let's see, five parts per million. Well, obviously, that's not enough to raise a crop, and I'm sure he knows that. I mean, the leachables, you always have to apply nitrogen, sulfur, and boron. I mean, every crop, every year, you got to apply those three because they're leachable. But anyway, my point is I would put on even a little more, and here's the other thing. I would say if I'm picking a sulfur source... I would probably use some elemental sulfur rather than just some sulfate form. And actually uh, looking at it, it looks like that's what Neil has down as well. So, yeah, Neil has just about exactly what we would normally talk about, which makes complete sense because we learned a lot of stuff that we talk about from Neil. All
0: right. And then the other two samples that he sent uh, are here. We'll get to those in just a second. We've got a, a phone call. We want to jump into that here before we get too far. got PJ on with us right now in Virginia. PJ, how are you doing? Pretty good, guys. How are y'all doing today? Good, good. I understand you got weed control on your mind.
6: I do, I do. Uh, I was. I didn't hear you guys talk about the product vibe. I've been using a lot of that and just helping with some residual control. Just wanted your thoughts on it.
1: Yeah, so here's the... Re- uh, okay, so what we always do is try to break it down. So it's a little simpler. What invive is, it's Valor, it's Classic, and it's the old Pinnacle or Harmony GT, however some people will know that that herbicide. Anyway, our concern with that is the massive amount of classic that's in there. So in the Midwestern United States, if you use that the following year, your beans are, or your corn, I should say, is going to be dead. And I i don't mean it's going to be, oh, just eh, dinged up a little bit. I mean, literally, if the pH is at all on the high side, your corn the following year is dead. So that's why we have to be real careful in talking about that. Now, in your geography with usually, and I'm, I don't know about your farm for sure, but usually lighter soils, tremendous amounts more rainfall, a lot fewer months where your ground is frozen. I mean, then we can look at things differently and we can say, all right, that classic, we can probably get rid of that over a course of a one year time span. But that's the reason why we don't talk about it. The other big thing is both the classic and the pinnacle or harmony, you know, those two components, they're ALS herbicides. And so when we get phone calls here, there are very few calls about weeds that are not to some degree ALS resistant. So when people talk to us about any of the pigweed species and mare's tail and kochia and all these tough weeds, well, almost all of them are mostly resistant to ALS. So our advice to people is always hey we want you to spend your money as wisely as you can and put it to things that are really going to pay for your particular farm so unless you have ALS susceptible weeds then what's the point in throwing out ALS herbicides and that's the reason why usually we're not talking about invive gotcha okay makes sense so what 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 are your main weeds that you are that you are after on your farm
6: have a lot of palmer pigweed pressure I, I also farm in the delta sure and uh you know my my normal regiment we, we kind of do envive out front yep and then we come back over the top and and, and Zidua helps to give us some good residual cold control after the fact yep but just what we can get out as early as possible is what we try but presently the yep. a big factor when we can get on the fields and what well, we sure. can so
1: yeah so other than palmer though i mean is there any other weed that you say boy i got to make sure i control this one
6: of Palmer's farmer's kind of the king of the <laughs> king of the field and in the Delta. So uh, yep,
1: that's what I figured, it, 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 and so now you it, see, it see it, it, where I'm. Else, uh. Yeah, so now you see where I'm going with this. When the classic isn't going to help you at all, the harmony component isn't going to help you at all. I, I I'm, I'm not saying not to use the product because it's probably killing some other weeds. But if you say, boy, I'm on a budget here and I got to spend my money on Palmer control, that's the reason why we don't typically talk in Vive. Hey, uh, PG, we get a run, but thanks a lot for the call. Appreciate it. Thank you all. Have a great day. You too.
0: We're starting to get a lot of soil samples sent in and a lot of buzz now around Neil Kinsey and his seminar coming up later this month. If you're interested in checking out some great information on fertility and how to set up your program to get the most out of your soils, just check it out at agphd.com. Thanks for listening to our program today. Be sure to join us again each weekday for more AgPHD Radio.